1: Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low-intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association, N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
2: We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC 250, Amanda Nunes taking on Felicia Spencer. And in my opinion, a real main event. I'm going to mention it up front. I can't wait to talk about this fight. Aljamain Sterling taking on... Co- i almost call him cody Corey sandhagen i do that I all the like, time i almost had cody Staman on the brain because i was i watched that that knee bar submission a few times yeah. against Corey sandhagen love that fight this is to me absence of a really you know a huge star-studded main event a really really good card a little light in terms of what i'm paying 60 bucks for but a top to bottom a really really fun card i'm looking forward to it and bury the lead MMA DraftKings Millie Maker. $1 million up front. Can't wait to play it. We're going to break down all the fights for you. I'm your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. With me, as always, the co-host, the analyst, the important guys. It is Chris Olsen. You can find him on Twitter, at RealChrisOlsen. And Joe also goes by Sun Tzu, at Sun Tzu. Guys, what's up? Are you ready to talk UFC 250?
3: I'm so ready. I um, I agree with you that it, you know you're not getting a lot of bang for your buck from a a fans perspective, but a lot of these matchups are really interesting, and uh, a lot of them maybe you know a lot. Of, I think well, I always think this, but maybe some dogs not getting as much uh, as much play as maybe they should. I know, Sean, we're gonna you're gonna get into that as well. So, but yeah, I'm excited about it.
1: Dude, I am fired up. I have 150 lineups reserved in the Millie Maker, going to increase the variance, going to actually go. um, And whatever I think the ownership should be for some of the lower-owned fighters, I'm going to double it. Um, I'm kind of going for that Millie. Thankfully, I had 62 tickets banked, so I just had to make up the difference. But I have all 150 reserved. The biggest question is not if one person's going to win it or if there's going to be a lot of ties. Is it going to fail? DraftKings has actually started to panic and sent emails out to people offering all kinds of incentives for actually playing Mm -hmm. entries in the Millie Maker. So um, if you're going to play anyway, uh, why not grab a few extra DK bucks? But we really want to fill this, guys. Yep, we we do. So we get more of these.
2: Kind of a weird card to do it on. But you know what? I'm happy we have it. Hopefully it fills, you know, let's go ahead and let's just talk fights before we do. Thanks to everybody in chat. Appreciate all you guys. Make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10 day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Plenty of stuff going on over there. KBO MMA like us, soccer's soccer's rolling. So make sure and check them out. Like comment, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Record these live Friday nights, eight o'clock Eastern time on paper for pay-per-view cards. Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It is Rotowire MMA. Enough of the intro. Enough of the nice stuff. I know me and Joe actually disagree in a couple spots, so that'll be interesting this week. doesn't happen a ton. But let's start things off. With you know, I need to double check the order here. Okay, we're good. I want to make sure that in my order, I still had Heinisch Mearschardt, and we'll talk about that fiasco later. We're going to start things off with Herbert Burns at 8,900, taking on Evan Dunham at 7,300. Joe, we'll start with you. Is Herbert Burns just a big favor because everybody just saw his brother Gilbert Burns out there? Uh, you know, very different fighters. Younger guy. I will mention. I'm going to steal some of your Thunderwood narrative. Dunham recently retired, back out of retirement did not look good in his last few fights you know for me i'm taking burns but i'm a little worried because if a bjj guy can't get to, can't get this to the ground which we've seen how high is he really going to score and we are going to we are spoiled for riches in terms of favorites this week so where does herbert burns rank for you
1: first of all where are the people in the in the chat man i mean uh, did, did we tweet out this do people know that we're on we um, did yeah where are they uh, going they're going to they're gonna flood in all they're they're all, they're all, the they're all getting drunk Let's get some. Pee- I got. I got to do so. I got to. I got to retweet it.
2: Three um, regulars right off the uh, bat. We got. We got Vince Tajik, Nan. Okay, I saw
1: Tajik. I saw. I saw Nan. Um. You know. Uh. Okay. So let's talk about this fight. So I hope not. I mean, one of the aforementioned um Evan Dunham fights. You and I were at. And I think you and I both had him against uh uh AUM. And I had he, so much. Remember, I think uh, I literally threw my beer. I was uh, so he got excited. hurt to the body. He got hurt to the body so badly. So the guy retires. He's 39 years old. Um, He got hurt to the body. He gets hurt to the body. Um, Honestly, like, you know, and I've been hearing, it's been a little surprising to me because, um, not to give away any future thunder here, but there is another veteran that is coming back off of a layoff um, that I like a hell of a lot more than um, I do Dunham here. But some people are saying that Dunham is the better play among the two, um, which kind of surprises me. 39 years old. Um, I get it that there's some recency bias on Burns. Um, He's not generally thought of as a knockout puncher, but um, he did kind of just lay flat. Um, You know, Nate Landauer. um, I expect him to win this. Um, I I like him. He's kind of weirdly priced at 8.9K, and recency bias bothers me because I think that's going to give him ownership, but I like Herbert Burns here. I mean, I can't back a guy that I saw got... Get so hurt to the body by a non knockout puncher like AUM. I, I just cannot go with uh, Dunham here. I like Burns, Chris. So yeah, um,
3: everything Joe said is pretty much uh, valid. I think I am going to take uh, Dunham very speculatively, just because, like when I when I when I look at Herbert Burns, what I see is just sort of being all over the place and very jittery. He kind of reminds me of uh, what we saw from Tim Elliott uh, last week, just a lot of nervous energy in the cage, very, like, non-game plan just sort of um, letting the fight take him where it goes. And I think that um, Evan Dunham is at least a little bit more control. You know, he's a good pressure fighter. He can um, – you know, rattle off one twos, he's a decent grappler. So I don't know if Herbert Burns gets this fight to the floor so readily. I don't know if if if, uh, if uh, Herbert Burns is that good of a wrestler to just consistently get him to the floor. And if he doesn't, does he have that kind of consistent game plan on the feet? Like, is he going to target the body? Is he going to be like, okay, this is my plan, and I'm just going to have a nice structured kickboxing fight? I don't think that Herbert Burns can do that. I think he's going to be – um way too jittery in there now can that can can uh Evan Dunham get swallowed up in the storm absolutely but um you know for the dog price and uh for the experience at Dunham I'm going to take him uh again like I said very uh you know hesitantly I I um everything Joe said is is good and I I acknowledge that Dunham can get smoked here but if he if he can't get him out early, then I think Dunham might take over this fight. So I'm taking Dunham.
2: Moving out, moving on. Here comes the arguing. Alonzo Menafield 9,000, taking on Devin Clark at 7,200. I didn't do the line on the on the first fight either. I'm rusty. Oh, guys. By the way.
1: Did you a pick in the first fight? I don't remember you giving a pick. Uh,
2: Bern, uh, Burns is the pick. Uh, okay. Dunham. I think Dunham is, is live. The problem is all, all the retirement stuff. And I like other people in the nine, in the 9,000 range more than Burns. So I'll be probably under for that reason. Uh, De- uh, Alonzo Medifield, minus 215 favorite. Comeback on Clark is plus 195. Fight does not go to decision. Minus 275. We have a great GPP fight to target here. A lot of people are really, really high on Alonzo Medifield. He has to go second for this fight. Um, which I, I did intentionally because me and Chris are actually on the same side of one, which if you're new, that's usually doesn't happen. And it's probably bad news. And you should load up on Joe's side. Yeah. That, be- <laughs> that being said, Alonzo Menafield is look through no fault of his own. He is beating up hot dog vendors. His UFC wins are against Paul Craig and Vinicius Marrera who are God awful. Now you can't hold that against him too much. You know, he's only beating, you know, Joe's going to tell you he's had a hard time getting fights. A dude is big at 205. He hits hard. He's really muscly. He's athletic. Like he, he looks like a legit, legit prospect. Devin Clark, on the other hand, has been knocked out before, you know, he got, um, but to look at those knockouts, Alexander Nicholson, while not good as a heavyweight, Jan Blachowicz is Jan Blachowicz and Alexander Rakic, I think is one of the best prospects in that division. Clark's. Clark's game plan is going to be get this fight to the ground. It's what he does. You know, his win over Daquan Townsend, three takedowns, span even in that loss he got two, took down sick Like, you know, the win over against Mike Rodriguez that scored 96 that me and Joe were at, but we were both on Mike Rodriguez. He, he just ground him out. That's going to be his game plan here. Like, the way this fight goes is Alonzo Menafield knocks out Devin Clark in the first two and a half minutes, or I have a suspicion Clark is going to grind at him. I don't. And it is just speculative. I don't think Menifee, with all the muscle he carries, is going to be able to hold up well in these grappling exchanges over the course of a long fight. So for that reason, and Clark at 7,200 doesn't need a lot to to end up on the optimal lineup. There's not a lot of dogs I like at all. This is one I'm picking to ever so slightly get a win, acknowledging he could end up unconscious really fast. So I'm going to be overweight on Clark. I'm still going to hedge and have. A ton of Alonzo Metafield. He's going to be so popular. I might be a little under the field, but I'm like going all in on this fight. Like, I might go 50 50. Like, I have a lot of Devin Clark. I know it's a big, big, bold stand. The problem is, I don't like a ton of other underdogs. Do I really have to play? I almost swore Maki Patolo. Yeah. I'm going to have to play some, I would have less Clark if we still had the, uh, the the mere free square. So give me Clark to win acknowledging he could be unconscious very early. I'm hoping the ground game style of Clark, he gets, he gets a decision or a late finish and that, that's enough for the optimal at 7,200. So that's, that's my hot take. Chris pile on to the hot take before we let Joe tell everybody how insane we
3: are. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, give you some cover here. I, Look, I, I agree with your basic premise of the fight, which is that either he's going to get knocked out quick or um, or uh, Clark's going to grind him out. I would say, though, you mentioned um, that uh, Blakovich win. That that wasn't his chin. That was actually the standing uh, rear naked choke. So he's only got the other two. But uh, regardless, I think that um, – look, we just can't – like you, you said so eloquently with the hot dog vendor, Sean, we just can't say – that much about Alonzo Menafield, Paul Craig and uh, Vinicius Moreira, which is weird to fight both of those guys, by the way. They're basically the same fighter, and he fought both of them. And he, he is them worse. almost in the same way, so very weird. But, um, yeah, if you go back to his contender series fight against uh, Daniel Jolly, which was another weird fight where Jolly quit because he took a shot to the eye and then said he couldn't see or something. But before that fight, before that fight ended you could argue jolly was winning he took him down twice once was a reactive takedown he landed a nice overhand right on a counter and uh, what we saw from devin clark in his fight against the is he can hit reactive doubles if you swing wildly on him and that's what uh does too he's got a lot of power he's got a lot of quickness, explosiveness but he can get sloppy with his shots and if he does I expect Devin Clark to get in there with the reactive takedowns. And to Sean's point, I don't know how much ground time he's going to have to sustain before, you know, he just doesn't have to pop on those shots, Menafield, as he does before. So I I agree with Sean. I think this should um, be pretty heavy the entire way. I'm going to have a little bit more Clark just because I think he's really underrated in this spot, and I think Menefield is overrated. I acknowledge that either outcome is a possibility, and you should load it. But my pick is Devin Clark, so take it away, Joe. Just
2: so you know, I feel really, really dirty that we agree. Like I, I
1: should go shower in the break. Uh,
3: Joe, I'm, I'm sure that um, I'm sure it'll rectify itself in the next
1: couple of fights here. It <laughs> probably going to rectify itself right now. So first of all, I don't know where to start here. Chris, please take down a GPP so you can go out and buy a new chair. I mean, oh uh- yeah, I know. Well, were you were you scouring like like junkyards to pick that share up or no, I, I this is like at least Family Heirloom. Years, okay. Oh my god, that, that Family heirloom. Uh, secondly, if if uh, the opponents of Menafield were hot dog vendors, the the Quan Townsend is the water that the vendors dump out at the end of their shifts. Um, you know, let's let's see. Devin Clark lit up by Alex Nicholson. Yeah, that Alex Nicholson. Um, you know, lit up by him. Oh, by the way. Uh, Leroy Jolly, the werewolf of Texas, a.k.a. one of the best nicknames in MMA. Medifield um, is a beast. He can't get fights. He trains at a really good camp um, in Fortis MMA. I'm not saying this is going to be, uh, you know, a walk in the park for him. Yes, I am saying that. It will be a walk in the park. Every time he's no. stepped up, um, you know, he's got exposed. But why um,
2: do you think this is a step up? Why are you so uh, sure? I think,
1: a, I think it's a huge step up for Clark. From Dequan Townsend. Please. Uh, like Quan Townsend, but. but what, yeah, so has, he, well, what has Menafield
3: done in the cage? What's he done? He's beat everybody they put but, in front of him. Or, or, but the, who's but the, everybody. The, the only. Oh, the only right. Wait, wait, they're wait. Right. Hang, on, hang right. on. Control. Control. Come on,
2: um, man. Will so you, 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 you at least acknowledge that Devin Clark also beats the snot out of Vinicius Marrera and Paul Craig? Uh,
1: maybe not Paul Craig, but, you know. Oh, come on. Or guy. Guy. Devin Clark doesn't have the highest fight IQ either. He could get caught in a sub. Um, the brown bear, Devin Clark. Yeah, look, he he's a, a perennial gatekeeper um, in the UFC since he got lit up by by uh, by by Alex Nicholson, who is you know who was fighting in PFL mo- most recently. Um, and now I think he is uh, in uh, LFA, or he's one of um you know one of Jacare's training partners there in Ocala, um, Florida. So, look, I like Townsend a lot here. Um, I don't know how sneaky he is, but I think his ownership is going to be pretty high. I'm going to have more of Mennefield than I am going to have of Nunez. Um, I, I like uh, saving a few bucks. Nice. I really do think that um, he's going to get the finish relatively quickly. Um, look, I'm going to have exposure to every fighter on this slate, so I will have some Clark. And based on at least Brett Apley's ownership projections, the ownership is not projected to be that high. On Clark, so I will probably come in at or slightly under um, ownership, at least based on Brett Apley's numbers, on on Clark. I just really love Menafield in this spot. And, you know, Fortis MMA, good camp. Um, it, did you see him at weigh ins? This guy is an absolute beast. He's big. He's very big. Oh, so, um, I can't wait to see this fight, and I can't wait for him to just expose Clark and just pound the living S out of him. So let's move on. One thing uh, I just want to say one thing really quickly. Uh, hurry up I,
2: because we have a clock issue. This I know.
3: Day. I I just because he keeps bringing it up. The Alex Nicholson thing was a fight. Clark was winning. He got hit with a spinning back fist. So it's not like Alex Nicholson dominated him. That's all I I have to say about
2: that. Moving on. Right. Alex Alex Perez eighty three hundred taken on Juicy a Formiga at seventy nine hundred. Perez is the favorite over against the guy who may feel is the um, against the guy who recently has a win over. Who many feel is the flyweight champion, Davison Uh, That would be juicy if Formiga beat him not so long ago. Perez, the favorite, minus one twenty-two. Formiga plus one twelve. Close fight. Probably not a great DFS scoring fight. But Joe, how do you have this one?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I don't want a lot of this fight because neither one of these guys really score. Um, obviously, I think um, I think Perez put up a pretty good number against Shorty Torres, but. Uh, I just don't think this is the best matchup for him. I think that um, he can get his back taken. Now, can Formiga put him away? I don't know. Um, Can Perez knock out Formiga? I suppose. Um, I I just don't see this as a great scoring fight. I I don't really understand the line. I think at worst, this would be a a pick. Um, I don't know how you make Perez that big a favorite. I mean, I, I get there's an age difference, but... Um, you know, Formiga, if you re-watch that Moreno fight, he's not. He's never been a striker. He didn't do horribly. Moreno just had a slightly better day. Um, I And I think Moreno is making a lot of right improvements. Um, I kind of, I'm going to pick Formiga to win here, but it's a very tentative pick. And I don't know that this is a great fight for DraftKings. It might be a better fight to bet um, if you like Formiga and certainly Formiga by submission. Um, so I'm going to pick Formiga, but I don't see it as a great fight for DraftKings.
3: Chris. Yeah, I'm kinda with Joe here. I'm I'm going a very slight Alex Perez. Um, I think the key to this fight is gonna be can Alex Perez scramble sufficiently enough so that Formiga can't keep him on the ground. That's why he lost to Moreno and it's why he lost to Benavidez. And Alex Perez might be able to do it. He's a good wrestler, he's athletic. We haven't really seen him taken down before. So that's gonna have to be something that uh that we see, but I I like Alex Perez as a fighter. I think he's, you know, I love the pressure that he brings. I like that he throws in combination. I think the problem that I have with Formiga is his countering is either very single shot or he likes to do like spinning back fists, like the one he caught uh, Ben Wynn with. I just don't know if that holds up sustainably. So if he can't control him on the ground, it's going to be tough for him. So a close fight, interesting fight. I'm going to go with Alex Perez slightly.
2: Yeah, I was slightly leaning toward, towards Perez as well. I also think, just look at the numbers, you know, Formiga does not score well in DraftKings. Perez has got good takedown defense. Granted, this is, you know, a whole different ballgame here because one one takedown could be it, or Formiga could just control him. I think Perez has the path to the higher score. Um, give me Perez, but yeah, it's a close fight. I don't want a ton of people. Oh, by the
1: way, one quick stat, 11 takedowns by Perez in his... You all of, in his UFC career, only four position advances off 11 takedowns. And yeah. you really don't think he's going to be advancing against Formiga. He's you? not
2: going to look for a takedown. He's going to try yeah. and do everything he can to stay up. This is the can juicy Formiga get a takedown fight? There you go. Okay. Let's let's move on to a fight that I think is probably the best on the card. For uh, no, I take it back. I think Benefield Clark's better. Um, A really good GPP fight. Let's just leave it at that. Charles Bird, 8,800, taken on Maki. Coconut bombs, Patolo at 7,400. Line on this one. Bird 165. Patolo, plus 155. Fight does not go to decision, minus 170. Speaking of hot dog vendors, that's exactly who Maki Patolo lost to last time out in Calvin Potter. Holy shit. I don't care that I swore. That was unbelievable he lost that fight. And you look into it more, he had some questionable losses on his regional scene too. Look, Charles Bird has been hurt before, but at least when he's in there losing to guys, he's been in there against the better competition. He had, I would probably say, some better wins on the regional scene, but he's lost to Darren Stewart and Edmund Shabazian. The worry is how quickly he went out against Shabazian. Um, both guys have power. I think it's going to end at a knockout. I lean towards Bird because of how bad Patola was in that fight from start to finish. But if Bird gets cracked, it really won't surprise me. Uh, Patola live, great GPP fight. I'm going to have much more Bird because that's how little I think of coconut bombs now. So that's my take on the fight. Chris, start us off.
3: Yeah, um, I I think you hit on it, Sean, and it's whether or not Bird gets cracked. Because when Bird gets hit, he panics. I think Bird is a talented guy. I think he's really quick in there. I think his striking's coming along and obviously he likes to wrestle and grapple. But when he gets hit, it sort of unravels. We saw that against Edmund Chabazian where like early in the fight he gets touched one time on the chin, goes in for that sloppy takedown, and then gets subbed. So I, it's 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 difficult because I don't think he trusts his striking and I don't know where that leaves him. But I also don't think uh Mackie Patolo is the guy that, that can make that can punish him for shooting a wayward takedown or something. And this is a guy who got taken down a bunch gross. by Callum Potter. So and, uh, you know, I mean, Callum Potter is not, I mean, he's got those, um, those uh, uh, they're not wrestling takedowns, they're uh, judo takedowns. And he got a bunch of them. Um, I think Bird's probably a better wrestler. Now, Mackie Pitolo is a good offensive striker. He's got a little bit of power. He can... I like how he goes body head a lot, but I just don't see um, him overcoming the pressure that Bird's going to bring. And Bird's just going to be so much faster. And Patolo doesn't feel the need to slip a shot ever in his life. So to me, that's all um, bad news. Patolo's really tough. Maybe Bird doesn't come back at the salary. So it's a little dicey there. But I think this is Bird's fight to lose, and I'm picking him for the victory.
1: Yeah, um, I, I mark this date and time down. I have not had an opportunity in a while um, to use my James Tahuna reference. Um, <sighs> you,
2: know,
1: that, you know, Bird has been knocked out by, by better competition. Um, does not give me a great deal of confidence in him. Um, the other part of the narrative here is, um, check me if I'm wrong here, I believe that um, the Callan potter fight was at 170, and... Uh, Coconut Bombs was having a bad weight cut. Um, This is at 185, which uh, he seems to be better suited for. Um, With that said, like flip a coin. I think this is a fight that you need to target simply because it's going to finish inside the distance. Um, If you press me for a pick, I guess I'll go with the better athlete. But I am looking at pretty much equal weighting um, in this fight simply because the only thing I'm truly confident about is that it's going to end up in a finish.
2: Moving on, Cody Stamen ninety one hundred taking on Brian Kelleher at seventy one hundred line in this fight. Stamen minus two thirty, Kelleher plus two ten. Look, Stamen, I think he's the most underrated guy in his price range. I think he's super safe. Um, Ke- uh, Kelleher put off the upset against Hunter Azur last week, which um, over at DFS Army we we're talking about that. And quite frankly, you know, Hunter Azur is just a prospect who got exposed a little bit too much too too soon. Has some holes. And what I want to say is that Cody Stamen is no hunter reserve. Cody Stamen is a legit guy in this division. He's got, you know, Keller can be taken down. I think Stamen has passed to takedown. The 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 ceiling here is a little sneakier than the other guys, but I think he's gonna go overlooked in this range, and I think he's relatively safe. I'm all about Cody Stamen this week. Um, acknowledging there are on paper, better ceiling plays in the range. I just like what I'm thinking is going to be pretty low ownership here. So give me Cody Stamen. I'll mix in a little bit of Kelleher in case he finds a submission, which I think is his only path to victory. I'm all about
1: Cody Stamen in this one. Joe. Yeah, certainly an ownership play. And look, um, Brian Kelleher is is quickly um, earning a spot near and dear in my heart. I mean, um, you know, he has really come through for me of late. Um, I had him in my primary lineup uh, when he fought last time, and it was a really good. Slate for me, so I really, I, I even think I, I tweeted out after the slate, "Hey, boom! When are you gonna come out with those boom shirts? I'll buy like twenty of them and and give them away on Twitter." And I don't think he ever got back to me. It's too bad. If he if he comes through here, I, I think I'm really gonna have to move him into the uh elite money makers, guys who who are really cheap and end up doing really well. DraftKings. Um, this is a tough test for him. Don't get me wrong. Um, I do think he's got a solid floor because Stamen is not a finisher. And Stamen will use his wrestling, which, um, you know, look, I mean, Kelleher has got a vicious guillotine. Um, And, you know, it's a quick turnaround, but I think that's good for him. And, look, I don't want to – there's narrative on this fight that I'm very hesitant to bring up. But for those of you that don't know, Cody Stamen's younger brother passed away. I'm not sure the circumstances behind that. Um, what does that mean? I mean, you know, how do you like I, I, if I had someone that close to me, I don't know if I could get out of bed, Never mind, go into a ring and fight. So there is narrative that people should be aware of here. It's, it's only fair. Um, so what does that mean? Um, I do think he's an ownership play. He's going to be really emotional. Does he go through an adrenaline dump? Um, you know, I, I, I can't say. You know, there's just that narrative is just so strong. It kind of um, makes me want to wait and see, which obviously I can't do. So I'm probably going to be with the rest of the field and that I'm going to be he's not going to be one of my higher owned fighters in that at that price point. Chris. So I um
3: I, I in my in my betting play, I actually picked Keller. And I will say straight off is the line doesn't really make sense to me. I think it's like plus two twenty or something. That that's that, right. That's absolutely right. No, that doesn't make any sense. Um, against Stamen, Brian Keller. dude, Cody Stamen is a good fighter, but so is Brian Keller. The guy is underrated. I mean, you saw his nice pressure striking game against Azor, and he and he and he grinds these guys down. He's coming in here with, I think, an eighty four percent takedown defense and. Look, um, those quick those quick losses that Kelleher took, they were by sub. Uh, Cody Stamen doesn't sub anybody. That's not a concern that we need to have here. Um, I, I think Brian Kelleher's striking is underrated. I think at times in that Yadong Song fight, we saw uh, Cody Stamen have trouble dealing with the pressure striking of Yadong. He was able to bail himself out by getting a takedown, especially in that third round. He got a lot of top control. If he can't get the takedown here... I I think that Kelleher might have this on the feet. I think that his quickness in the pocket, his in and out style, I I think he might have it against the guy in uh, Stamen, who's good, but sometimes just uh, relies on throwing single power shots to get in to throw to uh, get his takedowns. He can hit a reactive shot, and that's a concern. But we also need to realize that Kelleher is a good reactive sub fighter too. So that's something to look out for. I just think the line is off here. I also think that Cody Staman's not a finisher. He's a he's a control he's a control grappler. He's got I think he's got one fight where he's got a lot of points, and that was on the strength of a of a ton of takedowns, if I'm not mistaken.
2: He I would just, have scored um ninety ninety-six, I think it was, if if he didn't get robbed to a draw against Songy Dong last oh, well,
3: time. Out. Well, fair enough. I mean we can, if, we can
2: if you're looking at the logs that sixty six is deceiving because it was a draw.
3: I know. I know. i uh, fair enough. We can we can argue that fight, but I mean, he got five takedowns there. He got he got three against uh, Sterling, which is fair enough. That's impressive. And then eight against uh, uh, Terry and uh, uh, Terry and Ware. Yeah, I just don't think the takedowns come as easily. And if they don't, even if you like him, I'm not sure he scores that well. As it is, I'm taking a flyer here. I like Brian Callaher, so light it up.
2: Moving on, moving out. We have. All right, the fight we've all been talking about. Ian Heinisch, 8,400, taking on Gerald Mearshart at 7,800. Line on this fight. Heinish is the favorite, minus 125. Mearshart, plus 115. The quick story of this fight Heinisch's cornerman tested positive for Garoni. He was pulled. Anthony Ivy came in as his replacement. Heinisch's cornerman was then retested. It was determined that that test was a false positive. Heinish back on the card. That was a crazy ass 24 hours. We won't go anymore into that. And Ivy, by the way, will get a UFC debut at some point. He's on the roster now, so it works out for him. And we go from Mirshard being a free square to I'm leaning Heinish in this one. Look, Mirshard is a sub-specialist. He has some kicks, but Heinish is super tough. He has a good ground game. I don't think he's gonna be able to gonna be able to control him. I think it's enough for Heinish to get the job done. I'm worried about the scoring in this fight. The prices aren't crazy, so I'll have a little bit of both sides. But I, I prefer Ian Heinish in the spot. It's the first time I'm picking him. I think this is a good stylistic matchup for him. Chris?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm taking uh too, and I'm a little bit stronger on him than you are. I, and, and look, this is coming from – I'm a person who loves uh, Gerald Mearshart. I pick him often. I pick them against Aron Wynn. Also pick them against um, – Oh, what's his face? The wrestler, the other uh, the wrestler, the football player, Alabama, Eric Anders, and I do think he won that fight as well. I digress. Um, but my big problem with Gerald Meershard in this fight is that um, basically the way he likes to fight is he pulls the, these guys on top of him and gets into these weird situations on the ground and just sort of um, you know, bets on himself that he's going to be able to get out of them. We saw um, Oscar Pejota had some success with them. On, on the ground before he won. We've seen it in other fights as well. I just think that um, against stronger grapplers than him, and I don't mean stronger, like more proficient, because I think I think uh, by skill level, Mearshart will be the better grappler, but I think physically stronger grapplers, we've seen him uh, struggle. He struggled a lot with Jack Hermanson; just really couldn't move him. And I think Heinisch is gonna be the stronger guy here. I also think Heinisch is the much better striker. I think he's much more fluid and moves in the pocket. Uh, he'll throw in some feints, and uh, and uh, Mirshard is just sort of upright and janky. His jab has gotten better. His defense has gotten a little better, although he still gets hit a lot, but yeah, I, I like Heinisch here. I think this, I don't see a finish because Mirshard's tough to finish, but I can easily see like, uh, you know, like a 90 to 95-ish with all the the takedowns and reversals and stuff, and, and Heinisch getting a little off on the feet, so I like this play. Uh, I'm pretty big on Heinish here for a cash play especially, but also think he has retained some value in GPPs, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on him. Joe. Joe, you're
1: Joe, muted. Sir. Sorry, guys. So I was just trying to look something up real quick. So, look, um, I get what you're saying on Hines. Um I've just seen Mearshart, Um Like, he's, he's that lunch pal fighter that I call him, you know, a guy that's – had winning streaks as losing streaks um has kind of cemented his his place in the UFC um i don't think this is is that big um a step up for him relative to the competition he's been fighting um i i like his game i like his camp i like his training partners um you know heinish has kind of been a little bit exposed um so i am going to take Mirchard here um, you know, it's not a super confident pick, but I am just so happy um, that we're not into a third slate in a row where we have a sub 8k fighter that's going to be 75% owned. I kind of uh, wanted it this time. That would have killed my desire to play the milli maker, honestly. Um, with that, so um, I'm just happy that the original participants are here in the fight, and that we, you know, we're going to have a li- little bit more balanced ownership as a result. Um, I'm going to pick Mearschard here for the reasons I outlined.
2: Moving on, next fight up is. Oh, I'm on, I'm on the wrong page here. There we go. Chase Hooper, 8500, taking on Alex Caceres at 7700. Hooper is a minus 185 favorite. The young kid has a plus, it has Caceres as the plus 170 dog. Hooper needs to grapple. His striking is dog shit. Caceres's grappling is horrific. Horrific. I know he got choked out by Cron Gracie, but he basically just. Turned his back to Cron Gracie. I don't even know what was happening. If you go watch it, the guy gets subbed. If Hooper can't get this to the ground, he's going to have a problem and probably get, get toasted up. I think Hooper's aggression and the smaller cage is going to help Hooper, I believe, track down Caceres. Give me Hooper to get a submission. I have No problem hedging a little bit with uh, Caceres, but I just don't think Bruce Leroy's any good. Uh, give me the hype train on this one. it on, on the hype train. Give
1: me Chase Hooper. Joe. Yeah, so, I mean, Hooper recently got carted at a juice bar. I mean, you know, he can't... And got turned away. He can't actually sit in the exit row on a plane without having to show ID. Um, you know, he likes M&Ms. He's got a nice social media presence. Um, he is very one-dimensional. Um, you know, I, I understand the matchup. I mean, Caceres has been finished by... They're trying to... UFC's t- trying to feed feed him. Yeah, feed him but, however, and, and, you know, another, another piece of narrative is I guess he left his long time... Camp. I've been hearing that about Caceres. but he has a distinct edge. He might have a bigger edge standing than Hooper has on the mat. Yeah, I think so. So, um, look, I'm gonna, yeah, that's, uh... I'm gonna go out and say I'm gonna pick Caseras here. Um, it's again, it's not a confident pick. Um, you know, I I will have exposure, some exposure to both fighters. Um, I, I really do think Cooper is very one dimensional and is severely flawed in other parts of his game. And let's not forget, first of all, Caceres is not this, like, old, grizzled veteran that's broken down. I mean, he is not that far removed from headlining a slate against Yair Rodriguez. And I think that fight went the distance. So um, give me Caceres to school this kid here. It's going to be close. I could see it be a greasy decision. With that said, would I be surprised if Hooper's able to lock him up? No, Um, just because of, you know, we've seen Crone Gracie do it up recently. But I, I want to think that Caceres has got something for this kid standing, and I'm going to pick uh, Caceres to get the upset.
3: Chris? So I don't even disagree with the last two things you said about Hooper. Yes, he does have a lot of flaws in his game, and yes, he is one-dimensional, but that's not going to matter here. Uh, the fact is that – well, f- the first thing is is um, Caceres is just non-lethal by any stretch of the imagination. The guy's got three stoppages by strikes in his entire career – one of that one of those was a doctor stoppage um against uh, i forget who Rolando die Rolando d and where he had a problem with his eye so that was part of that too he's just non lethal and yeah chase Hooper does get hit too much but in that fight against uh, steven peterson for Caceres, a fight where the, that he controlled most of the time peterson got to him once literally one time it resulted in a takedown and a back take and Caceres almost getting choked He's got no chance if Hooper gets a hold of him, and Hooper's going to be way more dogged trying to get a takedown than someone like Steven Peterson. Um, can he Can he get hit? Yeah, he gets hit a lot, but um, uh, Caceres is just not the guy to finish. In fact, in my betting article, uh, if you guys are over on William Hill, I don't know what it's like other places, but I'm sure it's similar. You get plus 150 for a Chase Hooper sub. That is Pretty crazy to me for a guy who's only got really one way to win, and for a guy who gets subbed a lot.
2: I have a better bet than that later on the card. Okay, love. I can't wait for it. Sorry.
3: No, no problem. But uh, but yeah, I like Chase Hooper a lot here. Eighty five hundred. Like I'm, I'm almost scared of it because it's almost too good to be true for eighty five hundred. By the way, I see it, but uh, I'm gonna live and die by it. I'm taking uh, Chase Hooper here. Get the sub. Sean
2: O'Malley, ninety three hundred. Eddie Wineland, sixty nine hundred. O'Malley's the big favorite in this one. Minus 450 now. That's a little wide. Eddie Weinland, tough guy. The problem is doesn't grapple O'Malley to me. More explosive, ranger striker. Weinland is live just if he can make it a dirty fight. And, you know, we haven't seen O'Malley. And, you know, we saw him. He came back against Jose Canonis after a long layoff. Was in there for 90 seconds. Got a quick knockout. You know, I, I would still argue you could have a little bit of rust here. That wasn't that long of a fight. I just, Wyland also a long layoff. I just think O'Malley's better. The issue is if he gets you – know, O'Malley has plenty of volume. As the week has gone on, I'm liking O'Malley more and more. So O'Malley's has to play. i mix mixing some Wineland here. Chris? Uh,
3: yeah, I don't know how much Wineland I'm going to mix in, to be honest. I'll have some. you have to have some of everybody. But um, I just – I look, there was a time when I when I, I would maybe pick Wineland to do a little better here. I think early on in Sean O'Malley's career, he was having trouble uh, with pressure fighters. We saw that in uh, – Fight against who was that? Was it uh, I think either his first fight or second fight, as, as I vamp as I find it. Um, uh, Terry and Ware, that's right. And uh, Ware came on strong in that fight, you wouldn't know it from the score because at the end of the day, uh, O'Malley had a good showing there, put up 116. But um, but yeah, I th- that a lot of those concerns were really quashed for me, uh, with his performance against Canones, who is a pressure fighter. I think that um, O'Malley's footwork's gotten better. I think he's using his range kicking game to keep uh, pressure fighters at bay a lot more. And in that fight against Grigori Popov, um, uh, Wineland got hit a lot. In fact, he had that great first round and then had to come and take the fight back because Popov did so well in the second round. And I, I just think if you, if you let Sean O'Malley have that kind of success, you're just not going to get the fight back. Um, that's kind of what I see happening here. I think O'Malley's going to take control. I like him a lot. Um, he's my pick to win and get a big score.
1: Yep. Would you like to supersize your order? Those are the next words you're going to hear out of the mouth of, of Jose Quinones. Um, he, that fight showed me nothing. I mean, he, Chase Hooper did what he was supposed to do against a vastly inferior opponent. Um, Eddie Wineland uh, has fought well off of layoffs. Um, there is some narrative that concerns me about Wineland, um, you know, on the positive side, he, he very rarely gets finished um, on the negative side. Um, he hasn't beaten anyone um, younger than him since flip phones. Um, and part of the problem with being on a number of having a number of uh, media obligations, the week of uh, fight is that you tend to repeat yourself. So for those of you guys that like heard me use that expression before, I really do apologize. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm not. A, I'm not going to go and pick Wineland to win. I know that my boy, our boy uh, Sean John Stargarian, aka Eric, um, has got a unit play on Eddie Wineland. I don't know that I'm ready to quite go there yet. But I
2: usually agree with 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 him. But um, yeah, you, I, I guess I, he hates money this week.
1: Yeah, he was out on an island. Like, and his I watched his podcast, and he was pretty. He took a lot of heat for that play. But look, I I do think wineland has got a shot here. Of the two veterans that the UFC kind of blew the dust off up to show up. I do think Wineland has got the more realistic chance to win, and I was really quite surprised as the week went on um, that more people think Dunham is, is live. Um, I don't necessarily see it that way. Um, it, maybe it's a reflection of Burns versus O'Malley in terms of who's the better prospect. Um, but I, I think that Wineland is live. I think he has got a safe floor. Um, my, you know, my biggest debate internally was whether he was cash-worthy or not. I don't know if he is, especially with Belaher hanging out there, $200 more. Um, I'm going to pick O'Malley to win. I am going to be underweight to him, and that could be the biggest pork chop I've ever eaten if he comes out and does some serious damage to Wineland. But um, I'll probably be under underweight to O'Malley just because of my my man crush on Menafield.
2: All right, moving on. Neil Magny. Yep, Neil Magny, 8,700. Anthony Rocco Martin, 7,500. Magny's the favorite here. Minus 125. Line is closed on Martin. So we got some odds value here on Martin. I want to caution everybody. Anthony Martin is a dog shit DraftKings score. In his wins, 51, 63, 69. Does have a 95 against Ryan, Ryan LaFlair, Then 66, 76. 62 and i'm all the way back to 2016 how many fights to go to a 91 so you could think he's live sure i don't think he's going to score very well even in a win and there we have talked about plenty of fights that being said everybody loves to hate on neil magny i'm just going to keep betting and picking the guy like constantly making money against lee lee Li jing leong like He's got hundred point score, hundred point scores in the past. Do I think this is a good matchup for him? Not really. I don't like this fight overall. I'm a little interested in Magny because I see so many people liking Martin. Um, Magny's going to be obviously rangier. He struggled to use his range effectively in the past. Martin's probably the better boxer, but I think he's going to have a hard time using his grappling game here against Neil Magny. I think it's just going to be a dirty kind of rangy fight. I think that even if Martin finds a takedown, Magny's going to be able to get back and back up using his length like is a well-rounded tough dude that people like to discount I'm uh, picking him for a win I think this fight is bad for DraftKings you can you can play Martin for the odds value I recognize that that um that take to it I just think there's a difference between odds value and potential for a high DK score I could be alone there but give me Neil Magny
1: Joe okay so um yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said, especially relative to his scoring. I do think that anybody who could survive a night with Kaylee Harrison could beat uh, Neil Magny. Um, you know, in his recent fights, it's only, you know, only and Maya gave him a little bit of trouble. Um, trains at a good camp. Um, uses leg kicks. Um, what I would like Tony Martin to do, Rocco, if you're watching this podcast, I want you to put the Lorenz Larkin-Neil Magny fight on indefinite loop. Because you can hurt Neil Magny to the body, and you can hurt him badly. I think that's one of the two best body shot performances I've seen, the other being um, Barbosa and Dan, against Dan Hooker, um, the way that Lorenz worked, Larkin worked Magny's body. Um, I do think that the, the closed, that the smaller octagon will help Martin a little bit here, not, not from a takedown perspective, but um, will give Magny less room to maneuver. I think Martin can get inside. I think he can use leg kicks. I am taking to heart what Sean said. All I want is a repeat of the Johnny Case fight. Give me seventy-six points at seven point five k in cash and move on. There are not a lot of underdogs that that are getting a lot of that are getting love on this card. I think there is line value um, in Martin at plus one fifteen. Um, I'm not shitting on Magni. I mean, I do think that the Leech probably had the worst fight IQ performance of 2020 in his game plan to attack Magny. Magny does come from a good camp. Magny has got, don't make such a big deal of the reach because Magny has got got reach advantage over everybody in the weight class. There's not one fighter that can come close to having the reach. He's got light heavyweight, heavyweight reach on his frame. So yeah, I get it. He's got a reach advantage, but he still has the record he has even with that reach advantage. So give me Tony Martin as a slight upset, but take what Sean said to heart relative to his ability to put up a big score. Chris.
3: So I, um, I, I agree with one uh, thing in particular Joe said, I'm actually going to run with it. I, I think the leg kicks are going to be a big, uh, big factor here for Tony Martin. We saw uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. Sorry, buddy. If you're watching, um, I, we saw uh, Neil Magny literally get taken off his feet by a low calf kick from RDA. I think that, uh, Tony Martin used those really effectively in in his last fight against uh, Ramazan Ameev. And I think that's going to pay real dividends here. Everything else, I agree with what Sean said. And and the fact that uh, Tony Martin doesn't score uh, well is a point taken. But who scores well against Tony Martin in, in that same vein? So I think 8,700 is, is way too much for Magny here. I wouldn't be on him. I, if you're going to go anywhere, I'd go for Martin. But again, he doesn't really score that well. Um, and he's tough to finish. Um, remember, uh, go back to Hector Lombard, Lombard, beating on him for about a round and a half, and then he actually came back and won that fight. So um, one of the most impressive comebacks I think I've ever seen. So Maggie's a tough dude. It's tough to finish him. So this might be a stay away in general, but if you're going to go anywhere, I say go Martin. All
2: right. Aljamain Sterling, 8,200 against Corey Sanhagen, 8,000 in the People's. Main event, it should be for the bantamweight title in my opinion, but it's a different story for a different day. Pick and fight, depending on where you look right now, five dimes. He's got Aljo minus 110, Sanhagen plus 100. Hagen presses fights, going to be fun. means Sterling, I like that he has the extra path to victory through the grappling, should he choose to use it. But it's a very small lean for me towards Aljo. Play both sides of this fight without the free square of, of Mearshart anymore, play plenty of this fight. I just think there's going to be enough there. I know Aljo's going to use his movement, doesn't get hit a lot. I just think in the small cage, Sanhagen's going to press the action and we're going to get scoring in this fight because of the cage. So uh, Aljo the lean, but play both sides. Chris.
3: Yeah, it's a good point uh, in the small cage for sure. And I think uh, a guy a guy like um, Sanhagen and his style is, is one that, that's going to really exploit that. The one thing for me is that... Um, like Sandhagen has fought some longer guys before, but I don't know that he's ever fought anybody who fights long in the way that uh, Aljo has of late. And I also think that on the ground, like we've seen, uh, Sandhagen have a really hard time getting controlled, especially in the last fight against the Sun Tso, But um, the the length of uh, of uh, Aljo in top position, I think, could really make a difference here. That's kind of what what I think I'm counting on. I think that when Aljo gets him down, he's going to be able to control him in a way that past opponents have not been able to. But to me, um, this is a fascinating fight. I, I, I'm really hesitant to make a firm pick. I'm going a slight lean on Aljo. I just think he's going to be able to manage the range a little better than some of uh, Sanhagen's uh later opponents. And I don't think that um, Sanhagen is going to be able to control the tempo as effectively as he has in the past as a result of that. So give me Aljamain Sterling. It's a close fight. I can't wait to see it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going Aljo.
1: Joe. Yeah. So, you know, I I started the week on, on Sanhagen, you know, like a lot of the narrative around this fight favors Sanhagen. Um, you know, training at a super hot camp with Justin Gaethje and Drew Dober, and you know, I, I doubt he was sparring much with Curtis Blades. Um, but you know, training at a super hot camp as opposed to you know Al Jermaine being sort of in the epicenter of COVID. Um, another thing, another part part of the narrative is no Ray Longo in the corner of of Aljo. Ray Longo did you know he's an older gentleman did not want to risk the travel. So I believe this is the first Aljo fight where he did not have Ray Longo in the corner. So, that you know, take that for whatever it's worth. Um, it's interesting that Chris – it's funny because Chris thought or stated that he thought that the smaller cage would benefit Hooper. I, I'm not Hooper, Sanhagen. I actually thought it might benefit Sterling in his ability to to get, you know, takedowns and giving uh, Sanhagen less room to run.
2: I just um, think it's going to force action regardless. So
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, I'll go with that. It'll force action. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is so difficult for me. I mean, these guys both score well when they win, but are they going to negate each other um, when they fight and come up with just a for shit score at the end? I don't know. And that's a reason why I would not be 100% all in on this fight because it's very possible that the winner will not be on the nuts Um, because you'll you'll get guys who cancel each other's skill sets out it'll be kind of a decision fight that's not very high scoring. Um, so that really concerns me. I am going to give the tiniest of leans um, to, to Aljo. I mean, so many people that I respect are on both sides of this fight, which is going to make it really interesting to watch. Um, so I'm kind of shifting like one degree off of, of Sanhagen to a degree on Aljo, despite the narrative, all of which favors Sanhagen here. Um, I just, you know, I wish I knew how this fight was going to score. Um, I'm going to have shares of both guys for sure, um, but I'm going to lean slightly told to out towards Aljo.
2: Cody Garbrandt 8600 taking on Rafael Sunsau at 7600. Cody Garbrandt is the favorite in this one. The former champ is minus 130. A Sandow plus 120. This is Rafael Rafael Suncao, who likes to stay away, and quite frankly, just. Um, doesn't score well in fights against Cody Garbrandt, who has big power but fights like a big dummy. Like that is that's just who Cody Garbrandt is. He's been knocked out. Smaller cage, I think Garbrandt. If he fights smart, I just I think, I think I, I mean his boxing and footwork is so good. He just gets so silly in there. Like he's lost to T.J. Dillashaw, and and that's it. And then Pedro Munoz because he got crazy in the end of round one. Can't rely on him. I just don't trust old Captain Pillowfist of Sunsao uh, I lean towards Garbrandt here. Can't go all on in this fight because if it's Sunsail wins, it's going to be pretty low scoring. So uh, give me Garbrandt. Joe.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is interesting because, um, you know, Garbrandt spent a couple of weeks away from um, Although he did not leave the camp, according to-, to what I've been told. Alpha Male will still be in his corner, but he did spend a few weeks away in, I believe, New Jersey, um, training on his striking. Um, is he going to fight more composed? Um, you know, I do think that the close cage the 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 smaller cage will actually benefit um Um, Sanhagen Garbrandt um and I do think that potential for a knockout um is there um he's also very juicy to win by decision if you like that prop as well um you know if his management can rein him in if his corner can rein him in and have him fight a more composed fight I don't see any reason why he can't win a decision here against Ralphie it's not going to score well Rafi, on the other hand, is, has obviously got more, it, it has got a lot more seasoning, has not been concussed nearly as many times as, as Garbrandt, and I don't know that he needs to hit Garbrandt all that hard to put him away, I just think he needs to hit him right, um, and of course there's obviously an advantage on the ground, although Garbrandt has got 100% takedown defense in the UFC, so he'd have to work to get him to the ground, <laughs> so this is, this is a fight I want some exposure to both guys for different reasons. I want some exposure to Garbrandt in case he actually gets that knockdown. Um, And I want some exposure to Rafi in case Rafi actually catches him right. And and Garbrandt's infamous concussive chin, um, you know, rears its ugly head. So, God, I guess I'll pick the dog here again, since I'm kind of on a dog picking spree with a Sun Sal. But this is kind of a fight where you want to have a little bit of each fighter it's really high risk, though, and it's kind of GPP only.
2: Turning into crush with all these dogs. Speaking yeah. of, crush, you taking one here?
3: Yes, I am. I, well, I can't let Joe upstage me with the dog plays. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking a sunset out here. I, I think you guys said, like, there's no way to trust Cody Garbrandt. Um, I don't know if it's even that he has a bad chin. It's just that, like, if you started swinging like that, um, like you were underwater, just winging those hooks and leaving your your face open, you would have a bad chin, too, because people would find it. Um, and I also agree with Joe when he says, you know, I don't know how hard a Sun Tzu would have to hit him here. If, like, a Sun Tzu loves to hang back and counter, as Sean said, he's going to have his opportunity to do that. I, I can't trust Cody not to get drawn into a brawl. If I could, I would pick him. But a Sun Tzu is just way too composed. He fights way too smart. And if Garbrandt, you know, slips up, um, he's just going to get hit very hard. Um, I acknowledge that Cody can do the same to him. And so for that reason, you should have shares of both guys. But again, I just got to go with the guy who I know isn't going to freak out in there and is going to stay composed and stick to what he's going to do. So I'm picking Assange out, and it wouldn't even surprise me that much if he did get the finish. All
2: right, guys, main event time. Before we do that, make sure you go to rotowire.com free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content, no credit card required. Subscribe. Like, comment on Facebook, give us the uh, Facebook, on YouTube, give us the old thumbs up. It's the RotoWire YouTube channel. Subscribe on iTunes, RotoWire MMA. I'm going to give the breakdown for the main event. I unfortunately have a hard stop for just personal reasons at home. I'm going to go through the main event. I'll give my hot take at the same time, although you guys should probably figure it out by now. And I'll kick it over to Chris and he'll take you home the rest of the way. So, a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody in chat. Make sure you put up your hot takes as well. For Chris to get to, he'll read a couple out on the air. Sorry, I have to bail on you guys, but I mean, is it really that much to break down here? It is Amanda Nunez at 9,400 it on Felicia Spencer at 6,800. Uh, Nunez minus 5.25 comeback on Spencer is plus 4.50. The bet I really like, by the way, Amanda Nunez in round one is plus 2.50. Like it. The only path for Spencer to win here, Nunez's gas tank in in. The past has been an issue. The only time she's gone five rounds are against Shevchenko, which are low pace, low slow pace fights. Where I think she slowed down anyway, um, and and Raquel Paddington, which was five rounds or whatever she wanted, uh, and and against GDR, like GDR had her moments in those fights. Now that's I'm grabbing on straws here. That's the way Spencer wins is Nunes gets tired late, and Spencer we saw is tough against Cyborg you know, can drag her into deep waters. Super unlikely. Love Nunez. The problem is not a lot of dogs we like. She is the most expensive fighter on the card. I'm going to lock her in in my cash games. I'm going to have a bunch of her where I can, but it's the pricing that is uh, really an issue here. So Amanda Nunez is the play. I think she gets it done. I laid out the one unlikely path to victory for Felicia Spencer. The hot take, of course, Devin Clark wins by submission for me. Guys, good luck in your contest. Chris, Take it away, and uh, I'll see you
3: guys next time. All right. Thank you, Sean. And uh, everybody, look at me. Look at me. I am the captain now. Okay. So um, I will take this fight. Uh, I don't have that much to break down either. I think I I even have a little bit less to say than Sean as to how Felicia Spencer wins. I guess he would have nailed it if she does get tired. But the thing about that is you have to do something to make her get tired, which I don't think Felicia Spencer's going to do. I mean, she strikes. I I wrote this as if she's underwater. All of her strikes are very sloppy. She's just looking to get in the clinch. And can she work a takedown game on Amanda Nunes? And even if she can, can uh, Amanda Nunes' bottom game uh, save her against uh, someone like Felicia Spencer? These are all questions, which, frankly, I don't even think we're going to need the answers to. I think that Amanda Nunes is going to get this done however she wants. Now, the reason why I think that that she's worth the money still is because, like, even if in her fights against uh, Raquel Pennington, like, if she extends fights, she extends them against opponents like this because she's winning handily. And she puts up big points. So I expect her to put up big points here. I expect her to have an advantage literally everywhere, um, top to bottom. And I expect a big night. So... Give me Amanda
1: Nunez by whatever she wants. Joe. Of the path to victory for Felisa Spencer, then every, then, you know, it's the same, it's the same basic variation. I'm just going to be go a little bit more in depth since Chris, you're not. Chris, you want to, the... yeah. I mean, me. you? do you have to cut out soon? Cause I'm going to go into a little bit of a breakdown here. Oh,
3: no, no, go ahead. I just.
1: Uh... Okay. Yeah. So I didn't know. So anyway, so. And again, apologies for you having maybe heard this on on other pods. But what Felicia Spencer essentially has to do is avoid taking a lot of damage in rounds one and two. I don't see how she wins rounds one and two. And if she gets 10-8 in both rounds, I think it's going to be hard for her to come back. So my plan for Felicia Spencer is as follows. Lose rounds one, lose round two, 10-9, Okay have a close round three um, and maybe as Nunez starts to tire and look, this is Amanda Nunez has had breathing problems in the past, right? I believe she even canceled a fight against Shevchenko due to breathing problems, right? She, you could see how noticeably slower she gets as fights go on. Um, she tried to wear those breathe right strips and they don't let her wear those. Cause that's like Kevin Hardy using his inhaler. But, I should say, I should say, I believe she had surgery, to correct yeah, She did have surgery, but still, I mean, you know, it's, you're never 100%, right? So, Spencer needs to avoid taking too much damage early, needs to wait for uh, Nunez to get tired, then either have a 10-round 8 of her own later in the fight, so maybe she squeezes out the decision, or, um, in really late, like round 5, maybe locks up a sub. Now, it sounds simple. It's not. Um, it's not. Maybe it doesn't even sound. It doesn't simple. sound that simple. No, no. no. Maybe it doesn't sound. No. It's. It sounds logical. I'll say. But the. I don't see it happening. Right. Um, although you do need to differentiate yourself in the Milliemaker maker. You should have some shares of Felicia Spencer just in case. Right. I honestly don't see anyone. If Amanda Nunez wins. I cannot picture in my head any other combination of fighters that would allow for a sole winner of the Millie Maker. Because, you know, again, I just don't. I think she's going to be the highest owned. um, And as a result, the only way we're going to get a lot of money to the winner and the Millie Maker is if Nunez loses. So, you know, again, with the knowledge that you're burning money, you should probably have more exposure than you would normally have To Felicia Spencer. To your point, Joe, uh, Thomas Tyner says, you know, somebody. There you go, Thomas. I mean, you know, so, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just something to think about. I mean, again, I I don't think it's likely. I love Amanda Nunez. Um, And by the way, she did ask for an extra week to train for Felicia Spencer. She did not want to take the fight on, on having too short a camp. So she at least had some level of concern. And look, Felicia Spencer has always fought at 145. Now she's, she doesn't have a size advantage over Nunez, which is kind of interesting. It's just she's really kind of stocky, um, but she did go the distance with Cyborg, and you know I expect her to at least try. I don't think she's going to lay down for for you know Amanda Nunez. So that's the only way I see any significant money being paid out in the Millie, um, is if you know Spencer somehow comes up with a win. It's not going to pre- prevent me from playing yet with the knowledge that. I don't think I can win with a Nunez lineup um, because, you know, even though it's very top-heavy, there's still some money underneath um, the million. It is a $2.5 million contest that, oh, by the way, may actually overlay, um, which would provide some extra money um, for those people playing. So, anyway, I'm I'm obviously going to pick Amanda Nunez here, but I, I outlined what I think is a path to victory for Spencer, and it is a perfect storm type of path.
3: Well, I—I I mean, that all sounds very specific, you know. We appreciate, it. But, but give me some. So, give me some context
1: here. Like, you're playing 150, right?
3: So how many, how many spencers is that for you?
1: Okay, so let, let's say spent, Let's say normally for this type of fight, I would put, I would put five to seven percent Spencer. I would go now, say fifteen percent Spencer.
3: Okay. You know, so
1: just for yeah. the just for the um the fact that you think it's the only way you're going to get a, a sole lineup in. It's the thing. It's the only way I can think of. Now I may be missing something. Maybe somebody has an has a Nunez lineup that no one else is going to have, which I find very hard to believe. I mean, a lot. I mean, I think I think it's rare for a Nunez lineup to win to win the Millie Maker than it would be for Spencer to beat Nunez. I think that that's an actual longer shot is for a Nunez lineup Nunez lineup to win the Millie Maker solo than for Spencer to actually beat Yes. What about, what
3: about Kelleher Clark Nunez? You don't, you think that's,
1: uh, I, you know, again, I think people will have that. I think there's, you know, I think there's enough combinations of that. I mean, maybe, maybe throw, throw Wineland and Dunham in there and you, you, you got something cooking, right. <laughs> you know, but do we really see that many dogs winning? Right. Cause I mean, it's possible, yeah. uh, you know, but I really, I really do think it's, it's rarer to see. it's, it's going to be, more unique for a Nunez lineup to, to solely take down the Millie than it would be for Spencer to beat Nunez.
3: Right. Uh, yeah, no, interesting stuff. Um, we'll see how that plays. Uh, right now, guys, we're going to move to hot takes. If you have a hot take, put it in the chat, and I will put it up on the screen, and uh, and uh, we will get it in. Uh, Joe, you want to go first? You got one? Yeah, I'll
1: give you mine. I actually put this up on Twitter. This is a a plus 997 parlay. I played this on the DraftKings Sportsbook. I actually like it a fair amount. It's Nunez by KO, TKO, or DQ. It's um, uh, Cody Garbrandt to win by finish. That's plus 162 because I think if he does win, he will win by finish. Um, Dunham and Burns does not go the distance. And many uh, metafield by KOTKO or DQ, so uh, that's plus nine ninety seven, which means I bet a hundred dollars and twenty two cents exactly um, to return one thousand one hundred and one thousand one hundred dollars and twenty eight cents. So essentially, I bet to win a thousand on that parlay on DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, I'll give it to you. It is on Twitter, Amanda Nunez by KOTKO or DQ. Yes for Cody Garbrandt to win by finish. No, does not go the distance. Um, Dunham versus um, Burns and Metafield by KO, TKO or DQ. All
3: right, before I get to mine, let me just put some of these up here. Um, We got uh, Vince Rodemer, Formiga by sub. We got uh, John Tiller. Spencer gets five takedowns and gets the RNC in the fourth, so very specific.
1: That is a hot take, John. That is
3: a hot take. Uh we like that one. Uh Robert McElroy, no underdogs win. Uh Thomas Tyner, stamina inside the distance. Uh Nalandal. Uh Nunez is owned in less than twenty-five percent of lineups. That one's not
1: gonna happen. No, nah, no, nah, dude, you know you're my bro, right? I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. What is going on there in in, in, in in Maryland, Virginia area, my friend? I mean, are you are you partaking of the devil's lettuce? I mean, come on. And
3: uh, one more says, I think there's a good capper. There will be one Millie winner, and it's going to be me.
0: I so, like hey,
1: look, T- Tajik, I've got a daughter that's starting college, and, you know, I would not – I would definitely hold my hat open if you wanted to kind of share a little bit of that wealth. Um, yep. Um, at the very least, uh, forget about the money. Just kind of, like, reach out and say that we helped you win it. Um, that might help us, Chris and I, out a little bit. Um, I really honestly do, and i said this multiple times, and it seems like I'm apologizing for repeating myself on different on different pods, but if I can't win it, and obviously if you don't have enough self-interest to want to win it, then you probably shouldn't be playing DFS. Um, if I do not win it, oh, 52%. 52%, yep. Okay, none. It's, it's, it's the numbers. If I don't win it myself, I really legitimately do hope that one of our community wins it. You know, one of our, I've been, I was on Twitter, I signed up for Twitter back when it came out in like 2011, but I really had not been active in Twitter until 2015, till I started playing DFS MMA, and it's just been a really great experience. I'll be honest, not a day goes by where they don't kind of check Twitter and I try to be as free with my time as someone who works a day job can. Um, but it's a great community. And those guys that were grinding with these, like, really small contests. And, guys, we're not that far removed from, like, 5K to first being the main contest. Yeah. You know, e- e-sports territory, right? I mean, we're not that far removed from those days. And now we got a milli maker. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, we've got contests that have been paying 150 k to first. So. I really do hope, and look, I have nothing against the the quote-unquote pros, the high-velocity players, uh, you know, the, the Chipotle addicts and Awesome Mo and Mark Lovin and those guys. I have nothing against them. I think they are great, um, and and the fact that they can make money at DFS is is very impressive to me, but I really don't want them winning our contest. <laughs> you know, I want, like, one of our guys, one of our MMA grinders to take this down, especially if it's... Not you know, if you're not tying with 300 of your friends, you know, let's let's one of our guys get this. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take
3: my hot take now. It's um, Brian Kelleher by knockout of uh, Cody Stamen. I would like that. That is my hot take. Um, I am also going to shamelessly promote myself before we get out of here. If you uh, go to my page, uh, uh, RotoWire.com/slash Christopher Olson, you will find my Uh, FanDuel MMA article. You also find my betting article. That's for William Hill, but I'm sure the prices are similar elsewhere. Um, So, yeah, uh, I got a bunch of content out there. We got a bunch of content out there. There's another Rotowire pod uh, with uh, Jake and uh, John Littorine. A lot of content, guys. Swing over and check it out. Uh, Joe, do you have anything you want to promote?
1: No, man, just at Sun Tzu. I I had a busy week. I was on the morning grind. I... You know, uh, no serious, no serious this week. Um, But, you know, Brett and I was able to get an alpha out where we answered a lot of questions. I would encourage you guys um, to tune into that. It was more of a QA and a than a fight breakdown slate like this was. So if you guys want to, you know, kind of maybe you have some of the same questions, uh, go check out Creating Alpha. Um, And, you know, look, follow Brett Otley, follow Chris, Follow Sean. Um, DFS Army, you know, all great guys, um, all bring something unique. Um, Follow Kyle Marley, um, you know, uh, actually, you know, follow one of the sharpest and most astute Yeah, I don't believe he plays DFS, but uh, Dudas Priest, uh, Clay Davis. I mean, you know, he he actually um, sometimes pushes me on a fighter based on his take. He did that last week. I mean, I was kind of on the fence about Jamal Hill and I saw Dudas put up a play, and he actually is – I can't respect him more as a gambler. He actually tells you what he plays money-wise. Yeah. You know, so, like, it's not like a one-unit play is is 10 bucks. Um, You know, he bets real money, and he posts his results up in real money. And, um, you know, anything that I, I won, he really pushed me off the fence on Jamal Hill last week. So definitely follow Dudas Priest, a.k.a. Clay Davis, or I should say Clay Davis, a.k.a. Dudas Judas Priest, follow him Rob Brown a lot of guys that are out there giving lock my boy lock shout out to my boy MMA lock of the night he is um, entering into a long-term financial commitment um, which some of us refer to as wedded bliss ah. um, you know so he is now giving up half of his assets now and in the future um, congratulations my boy MMA lock any shout outs you need to give Chris? I think we covered a lot of people I think I think you pretty well covered it so. Let's 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 shout out to the first responders, the doctors, the cops, the firemen, you know, like guys who actually had to work. The guys who prepare my food. I mean, Christ, I don't know what I would have done without DoorDash and Uber Eats during this pandemic. So, shout out to those guys. All right, so I Joe
3: got it covered and thank you so much. All right, guys, uh thank you so much for watching. It was fun as always. Um thank you for Sean for inadvertently allowing me to take the reins uh, for the last 20 or so minutes. I am now drunk with power and will be until the next time we do this. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, Give it a like. Give it a subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Our names are there. Follow everybody Joe mentioned. And we will see you on the next pay-per-view card.
0: Peace. This is the story of The One.
1: As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently